Welcome to this week's Therapy For Me, which ended up having far more football in it than I thought it would. I kind of always knew it would have some football in it, bearing in mind it was the start of the football, the resumption of the football season. Um, But I didn't expect it to have quite as much as it ended up having. Anyway, uh, without any further ado, let's get cracking. And that can mean only one thing, a bit of twangy guitar. So the football's back. The football's back this week. Um, I've mentioned before I'm a Sheffield United supporter. And Premier League football starts again this week. And we're the first game. We're actually um, the first game on Wednesday that will be uh, that will be played. I think there's two games on Wednesday, and they both kind of um, they both kind of even up the league. So uh, we're playing first, and Man City, I think, are playing Arsenal. And uh, that's so that by the end of that that evening everybody's played the same number of games and I think what they're going to try and do after that is to keep everything in some kind of sequence so if they have to stop they can they can say right well everybody's played 29 or 33 or 35 games and we can divide the number of games by the number of points and we can average out and predict where you would have where you would have finished um now obviously what that does mean is that uh, we're we're poised for a European football place and that would be the first time that that's ever happened in the history of, of Sheffield United. So if we get a point or we win on Wednesday, uh, that would put us in the top six, which would put us give us uh, you know put us in a European spot. So um, not that I'm hoping there's ever a second spike, but if there was a second spike, you know, a virulent second spike on Thursday, and the Premier League decided to curtail the season at that point, then we'd be playing in we'd be playing in Europe, um, which is. Quite an an amazing thought, really. But anyway, so football's football's back, and 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 I'm I'm very excited, whilst knowing as well that it's going to be very different. Um, having seen little snippets of the football being played across Europe in empty stadiums, you know, with in some cases with the crowd noise being piped in by the the, the broadcasters, it all feels a little bit strange, um, and I think it's. It's a perfect kind of analogy, really, for for probably the rest of life, in that it's kind of something we recognise. It's kind of getting back to the things that we want to get back to, but it's not quite the same. There's something um, there's something missing, and 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 the something that's missing is is part of the magic. Um, and I'm kind of thinking that with a lot of things that everything as we start to we start to unlock slowly and we're told what we can and we can't do, that the the things that are coming back with the slight changes, um, some of the magic of those of those particular experiences is being is being taken away. And what do you do in that situation? Do you do you accept um, the new conditions you've got to live under and just say, well look, it's worth it to have that something back? Or do you go, well Hang on a minute. I, I, do you know what? I, I think I'd probably rather wait. I'd probably rather wait and have it have it back the way it the way it was. Um, that was never going to be the case for football because there's just too much money involved. So um, the Premier League season and to a certain extent the Championship both have to finish because if they don't, then football is in so much hock to the broadcasters that the whole the whole thing risks 
you know, falling apart. Um, but with other things, I don't know. Are we are we are we better to wait, or do we do we want to get back there with some kind of something as fast as possible? Tuesday. I talked yesterday about um, about football coming back, but of course, the other thing that happened yesterday was that non-essential retail stores were allowed to open. Um, and I've talked a bit in the past about essential and non-essential, and you know, and we can leave that we can leave that conversation alone for a different day because today was just about um, retail businesses being able to open their doors and and literally seeing what happened. Um, and if the pictures were to be believed, then there was a mass outpouring of pent up retail demand yesterday, um, and people were queuing outside Primark and. You know, and various other shops. Um, some of it on the promise of, of of kind of sale offers. Others just because they needed to get out and and do something and feel like they they were back to normal. Now, um, I'm interested in this because for a number of things. One, I've worked in and around retail all, all of my life, and and two, I'm a I'm a little bit of a, a a devotee of bricks and mortar retail. You know, I shop online, but I'd rather go to a a store if I could. I enjoy the whole experience of you know, of retail, particularly when done, when done in, in interesting, uh, you know, and competent ways. Um, but the thing about, I guess, yesterday is, I don't know, I, I'm just not ready to go back and do general browsing retail stuff. I've got used to um, doing my essential shop, doing my necessity shop, um, and and having come to terms with, you know, Weighing the risks of 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 what that means um, in a pandemic space um, over the fact that you need bread and milk and you know Nutella or whatever it might be. Well, in our house, it's definitely Nutella. Um, whereas now, I don't know if I want to go and queue to go into you know a bookshop or go and look look at clothes. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that. Clothes are a bit of a weird one because you're not actually going anywhere. So it's suddenly become about just having stuff to wear that's comfortable rather than being too worried about what that that wardrobe actually looks like. But um, but no, I, I you know I, I desperately want vibrant high street retail to continue. I I, I desperately want that experience to be available for people because I've had a lot of enjoyment from it in the past. I know it means a lot to a lot of other people, but I'm I'm just not ready to go back. And uh, and I was chatting to uh, a friend of mine today, and he'd been walking around Cambridge. And yes, Cambridge was busy yesterday morning, but he had a walk around Cambridge um, yesterday afternoon, and he had another walk around this morning. And he chatted to a lot of shopkeepers, and he's got a music shop in in Cambridge. Um, and he he said that yeah okay there was loads of images yesterday of, of uh, you know of queues outside stores but by the afternoon it had it had died right off and and Tuesday had been a you know today had been a very a, a very kind of you know poor retail day with very few people floating about and very few people wanting to wanting to come in so um, I think we're we're a way off this uh, and I talked. You know, I talked yesterday about football and about do you wait for something to come back until until it's absolutely the way it should be, and maybe maybe that's where we are with retail. 
Um, because I don't, I might be wrong, but I don't see people flocking back, you know, particularly quickly. Wednesday. So one night back and we're already mired in controversy with regard to the soccer. Um, and of course, it has to be my team um, who've already had a real bad run this year. If you're not aware and you don't follow football, they've introduced something called VAR this year, which is uh, Video Assisted Refereeing, or at least I think that's what it stands for. But basically, it means the the idea is now that if there's a decision that we're not sure about and it and it's an important decision, so it would it would potentially result in a goal or something that would change the game, then um, there's there's a little box somewhere with people in it who sit and study you know, 150 different camera angles uh, and come back to the ref and make a decision about whether, you know, it's a goal or not a goal or whether it's a penalty or not a penalty, whether it's a red card or not a red card. Um, and 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 my team has been on the wrong end of that quite a lot this year. In fact, I think the stats were that we'd, we'd, we were by far the worst done by team um, on VAR. That was a that was a point in the season a while ago. I don't know if it's evened out since then, but we we had a very bad run, including a, a quite infamous incident where a goal was pulled back. Um, you know, about about a minute's worth of game was reeled back to to find out that one of our strikers' big toe was offside. And, and of course, that's the kind of thing that in a normal game would never get picked up and would just get let go. But we 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 were you know we were criticised and we criticised. We just we were just penalised and lost a goal for that. So, um, so then to come back tonight and have uh, a situation where we we played a free kick, the free kick goes over, the keeper catches it, um, loses his balance, um, and falls backwards into the net with the ball, and the ball crosses the line. And there's a thing called gold line technology, and this thing um, is is supposed to sense when the ball's gone over the line. It's got half a dozen cameras, or what have you, and it and it pings a signal to the ref. So the ref gets a little ping on his on his a little text alert on his watch to say, oh, it's gone over the line. The ball is you know the ball is in the goal. You have to give a goal. And the ping didn't come. For whatever reason the the, the, the watch didn't ping. Um and so he didn't give the goal. Um and the problem there was of course that in an age where we haven't had football for a while so everybody and his dog is watching the first game back um, it was clearly evident and obvious that the, the ball had crossed the line, so it, it, it had it had gone in, um, and yet football still hasn't got a way to dig itself out of these these particular issues. So we've gone from having a situation where it was all about the ref, and we accepted the fallibility of the referee, but if the referee didn't see it and didn't give it, that was it. That, then then were the rules. Um, we've then gone the other way to saying, well, actually, no, it's now about technology. We're going to use technology to make sure that we get everything as right as possible. But then what happens when the tech goes wrong? But it's obvious to everybody that the tech's gone wrong. And I think the thing that I'm most annoyed about in all of this, aside from the fact that, you know, we'd, we'd have won the game. I mean, look, we didn't deserve to win. A draw was probably a fair result. So I'm not going to moan too much. It, but the fact is the ball crossed the line and went in the goal and everybody saw it. So we should have been awarded the goal. And the two things that annoy me about this is one, why does a ref not just step in and go, I don't care about the tech. I don't care if the watch didn't ping. The, the ball went over the line. Uh, so I'm going to give the goal. And I'm going to ignore the protocols because ultimately I'm the ref on the pitch and I'm the last man standing, so I'm going to give the goal. But also, and probably more importantly... Um, 
those players, those Aston Villa players knew the ball had gone in. The keeper knew the ball had gone in. The, the defender stood by him, knew the ball had gone in. And in a lot of sports, what would have happened is they would have held their hand up and said, look, it's gone in. It's gone in its goal. Whatever, it's a goal. It went in. It, you know, it, it, it crossed the line. And, and players in a lot of other sports regularly shout out and call fouls on themselves, you know, if it's not been spotted by the officials. And that happens in golf, and happens in snooker, and happens in rugby. And There's loads of examples of it. Uh, cricket's another one. Loads of examples of it where players just do the right thing. They, they behave in a sportsmanlike manner. And that's completely missing from football. And, and I think we need to talk about that because that's not been mentioned all week. And yet at what point do professional footballers hold their hands up and go, actually, do you know what? This is what happened. So that's what should happen. That's the natural outcome. Um, and we should, you know, we, we should we should do that more. Thursday. Earlier in the year, I picked up a speeding fine. Um, I was doing 36 or 37 in a 30. Uh, it was around the, uh, the, the uh, top side of, of Bradford. And I was going with my eldest son to a football match. And it was early on a Sunday morning. And there's a ring road around Bradford. And I, and I assumed, and, and I'm happy to say I assumed that being a dual carriageway, that it would be at least 40 miles an hour. And it, and it wasn't. It was 30. And so uh, I got done by a, a, a you know, a, a speed van. And uh, I was supposed to do the course on the 1st of April, but it all got cancelled. And so I've ended up doing a virtual speed awareness course, um, and which was which was kind of a surreal experience. But it was, uh, I, I suppose, one of those moments where, you know, this is how far we've travelled. This is how we've adapted to lockdown because we're now doing things like this online. Now, the, the reason for mentioning it um, is... Is one that actually it's the second one I've done. Um, I'm about I think it's about six years in between speed awareness courses, and and the the course has changed a little bit, but the large parts of the message are the same. They talk to you about breaking distance. They talk to you about recognizing you know without seeing signs how to recognize the speed of an area. Uh, it's not judgmental. It's very educative, um, and you know, and it is actually a good course. Um, so uh, doing the thing itself was was fine, and it and it does affect your behaviour, and it you know, and to be fair, it it affected my behaviour last time round to the point where actually it was it was one of the things they call out that I was guilty of this time, which I was in a rush to get somewhere, and we it was you know, and I thought I knew better, um, and for anybody who knows me, that is something you probably don't hear me say very often, but you probably think it about me all the time, so. Um, so I thought I knew better, um, and and I was in a rush, and the two things pointed to to a you know to <laughs> pointed to a speaking fine. Um, but the thing that was interesting was that following on from having spoke about Zoom protocols last week, uh, and and you know when do you enter meeting and what have you, it made me realise the vast majority of the pub, uh, the, the public is terrible with Zoom, and they don't understand you know about muting microphones and the amount of background noise and the fact that one chap's phone went off four times and every single time he just stopped the call he didn't think to turn his volume off on his phone and everybody's got their mics permanently open and of course so so she you know the the the, um uh, the 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 lady who was running the course um she played a couple of videos back and of course 
the the sound loops out of the speakers and loops back in the microphone. So every time she played a video, I had a massive echo on it, and it it was just it made me smile. It wasn't it wasn't um, because at the end of the day, people don't work with that tech, and for a lot of people, that might have been their first experience of a Zoom call, might have been on that speed awareness course, but it did it did make me smile a little bit uh, about uh, the fact that I'd mentioned it last week, and actually we're now back this week and uh you know and i was i was listening to things banging and phones going off and all manner of things going on because people didn't really understand how a how a zoom call works and what happens what happens in a zoom call friday it's friday when i normally talk about things that maybe wouldn't have happened if we weren't in the space that we are now or maybe wouldn't have happened in the same way uh, and I'm going to come back to football uh, for a third time um, because I want to finish on something positive and powerful uh, with regard to football. Um, at the start of the game on Wednesday night, um, both teams, all the officials, everybody in the stadium um, took the knee um, in respect of the Black Lives Matter campaign. And I don't know whether it was because it was something we weren't expecting or if I don't know whether it was um, because the stadium was was empty and the moment was deadly quiet on screen um, because there obviously wasn't any ambient noise in the stadium. But it was a really, really, really powerful symbol. Uh, and it was a powerful symbol of unity. And it was a powerful symbol of how um, sport can change people's lives and can change attitudes. Um, and having talked a little bit um, you know about sportsmanship and why football doesn't have some of the same values in it you know naturally as some other sports I wanted to you know to turn that around and say yes but this was a moment of something really really important that that football got very right now um, I don't know if that has the same power in a normal game yes it has a power if, if you're in that stadium but it was just the starking, the, the startling moment of of the, of everything being so quiet and so still, and so united. Um, so that was a, that was a that was a, a you know a, a a truly inspiring thing to see. Um, and probably if I'm going to end on a football point, or or if that's my final football statement for the week, then that's the one that should be the final football statement uh, of the week. Um, the other things. Um, I've never been happier to see Sainsbury's 25% off six bottles of wine sign go up. Um, normal retail offers and things have kind of ceased because it's just been about availability. It's about getting down, getting the things that you wanted and coming home. You've not been looking too much um, at offers and deals and stopping around. You've just been, you know, waltzing through, getting what you need and, and getting out. Um, and the one offer that has always, you know, lifts my heart is the... Uh, is the opportunity to buy wine, um, you know, cheaper than I, I normally buy wine, and I have no problem if that means I've got to buy it in quantity. Um, I have, I'm very happy buying wine in quantity. So to see that, uh, to see that sign go up um, today, and <laughs> and to find myself driving back from Sainsbury's with that lovely clinking sound of glass in the boot, then that was then that was quite fantastic. So uh, I've missed that one. Um, and it somehow meant more, um, you know, get it, getting it again while still kind of in a in a lockdown in a lockdown moment. So, so I so I enjoyed that. Um, 
I also don't know if I would have noticed how much birds eat had we not been in lockdown. So we've become rather obsessed with our bird feeders. I mentioned that I'd built a bird table, a little table that we've been putting bread and things on. Uh, and that's 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 been adopted by the you know the avian community quite quite nicely. And since then we bought some bird feeders. So we've got a bird feeder that does seed, and then we've got one that does the kind of the suet or the fat balls. And um, and I just thought that you did these things and you put them up and you filled them up. I don't know once once a few weeks or once a month, and that was it. It was fine. And the odd bird kept, would come across and have a little peck and give you a little wink while he was doing it and then fly off again and you know but no that's not how it works there's a there's a positive feeding frenzy at different points in the day and 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 we're feed, we're topping these things up literally every couple of days we're probably into sort of four or five quid a week now for bird food um and 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 it's great and it's and it's it's really nice to see but i didn't quite expect it would be such a production line of of bird feeding as it's turned out to be so um apologies to 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 the birds for not having picked up on this earlier i don't know if you're eating out of the fact that you've not been able to eat before because we've not you know we've we've not pulled our finger out and and helped you out or whether actually it is just pure greed but i'm going to I'll, I'll leave it and it's fine um but um but yeah bird bird food bird feeding didn't expect it to be what it what it was and it and it may and it, i have to say it makes me smile every time and, and i'm actually starting for somebody who is not a nature person particularly and doesn't take a lot of interest in different types of birds and what have you uh, i'm actually i'm finding myself bird spotting in the garden on the feeders um which I I never thought I would ever do. So there we are. So that's a nice. It's a nice way to finish. Um, I hope everybody's well. Um, I you know as we start this uncertain path out of lockdown, I hope you hope you're finding and your way through it and coping. Uh, please feel free to to ping me a message. Uh, a short stories on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers, bye. <laughs> If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.